Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. From our team to you, welcome to Season 2 of Convert Central. In Season 1, we've had the privilege of interviewing 15 converts across the months of Ramadan and Shawwal. This season, we have created a plethora of topics for every Muslim regardless of our background, our interests and our races. We pray that every podcast that we upload will be beneficial to you guys. And meanwhile, enjoy listening to Season 2 of Convert Central. Welcome back to Convert Central. Alhamdulillah. So we are at our the last few episodes of the year. And it means that we are back to our fundamentals of faith. And today is we are doing Episode 8. And we will be talking about wealth in Islam. So I'm actually joined by a new guest that hasn't been on our show before, Brother James. And uh, before we start, I'd just like to get Brother James. And this is also the first time hearing his story. To share just a glimpse of what... Uh, you know, what brought him into Islam and, you know, what, what what he's doing in life right now. So, I'll pass the time to you, Brother James. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Um, so, I discovered Islam through a friend. Uh, as like a, a pen pal, you could say, uh, who lived in Singapore when I was back in the UK. Um, I knew this person from very long ago. We just used to write emails to each other and things like that. Um, it was a girl. <laughs> and uh, we eventually started to get a bit more close. Um, and uh, she would tell me that, you know, you kind of need to be a bit more, if we're going to kind of go to another step kind of thing, then we'll need to be a bit more serious about this and I'll need to start looking into it. Um to be honest, at the time, <laughs> I really thought that's it for me. Now, <laughs> I think it's over because this is like a completely alien thing for me. Yeah. And uh, I really just didn't have any idea what I was supposed to do. I thought I was just going to have to change my name yeah. and change my clothes <laughs> and, you know, it just completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I figured I've always tried to keep an open mind. Um, when I was growing up, I grew up sort of like as an atheist. My mom, Christian, my dad is atheist, I guess. So just sort of somewhere in between, not really having a strong faith of anything. Um, but I have always found like uh, when you go into like a church or a temple or something like that, it's always a very calming experience. Like people go there for, for you know, worship and it's like something completely different to what I do on my daily. And it's just very like calming, you know, there's something about it. Didn't really know what, I didn't really think about it. Didn't really explore it. There's just something there. And then, uh, yeah. So this, this girl, she said to me that you, you should just look into it, you know, just, just look into it. So I contacted a local mosque and I just asked them if I could just go down there and just, just talk to them and, I happened to go down there uh, during that prayer time, which I had, I had no idea about prayer times and things like that. So I just went down there and just sort of sat there at the back. They said, you just come in, you just sit at the back. It's fine. Uh, if you want to join in, you join in. If you want to just sit, you sit. If you want to ask questions, go ahead. So I just kind of sit there in uh, this mosque in this very small like um, town a uh, tiny little mosque with so many people in it, you know, like everyone's really squeezed in there. And uh, it was an experience. But I started talking to someone and the, the first person I spoke to really almost put me off the whole thing because they were telling me about uh, 
you if you convert to Islam, it's great because you'll get like X number of like virgins when you go to heaven and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> that was like one of the first people I spoke to. And it was like, uh, oh, okay. I don't know if this is for me, but I kind of persisted and I went back again another day. And then I started to meet other people. And honestly, some of the friendliest most welcoming people I've ever met in my life, you know? The Imam just never met me before, but invited me to go to his house, have dinner with his family and stuff. I'm like, wow, you know, like my friends wouldn't even do that, you know? It was really amazing. So then I thought, just carry on, you know, just keep going and then, but there was always still like a difficulty switching my brain over to that side. Um, and then really the thing for me that really like switched me over was when someone told me uh, in Islam, you're not supposed to just like take information and just, just live it like that. You're really supposed to ask questions, you know, like you're really supposed to question it. You don't agree with what you're told. So you just have to ask why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was really like a switch in my brain, you know? And then I was like, huh, that sounds similar to the kind of mentality that I had before anyway of like questioning why, why does it have to be that way? You know? Um, yeah. So that was like my entrance to it. Um, that was all still while I was in the UK. And then, and then I started to learn about the prophet and that was like, that was the thing that really got me, more and more interested in in the religion because it's like his way of life was like uh good manners and you know treating people well and just living a good life and stuff like that and i thought wow that's what you're supposed to aspire to <laughs> that sounds amazing that sounds like what i want and what i was trying to do anyway you know so yeah from there it just kind of it just kind of carried on and then Eventually, I, I married this girl, <laughs> eventually, and then uh, moved over to Singapore. And then Singapore is an amazing place to be a Muslim. It's like, you know, like you've got a mosque you know, everywhere, you know, you never have to go yeah. far. Yeah. And you've got places like Daralakum, which I, I used to go to a lot. I haven't been there for the longest time, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but. I used to go there a lot and it's just these places are just set up for people like me yeah. to just go and learn you know it's yeah. it's just really one of the best places i've ever been for a muslim it really is especially a convert yeah 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 thank you so much for sharing with us your story uh, sorry yeah, alhamdulillah uh, it's a brief one but uh, i hope someday we'll get you back soon to share your entire story we'd love to delve into your top processes experiences that really brought into islam it's, it's, it's super special, you know. Uh, I've heard at least maybe 20, 30 stories over the past year. And, you know, every, every single time I, I hear them, I'm always reminded by, firstly, how amazing, you know, uh, Islam changes people for the better. And, and also, you know, how Allah really softens our hearts, you know, from the hardest of hearts, you know. He, he takes us through His miracles and then suddenly we are people that want to seek Islam, you know. Mm. And, and you know I'm I'm also reminded by how you know by your story on how fortunate we are to be Muslims in Singapore. We we often forget that as Singaporean Muslims because we only see what we don't have here. 
but we don't venture out to see what we actually have at home. And, mm. and we actually have a lot at home. Mm. I, I was in Australia for about eight months. Uh, and the only uh, moss that was in the city was, was called Perth Moss. There was, there was only one in the city. So yeah. it was, was, was crowded. You know, there were not many places to, to pray as a Muslim. But in Singapore, it's, it's, it's not even unusual to see a Muslim praying out in the public if they can't find any spaces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but as a Chinese in, in, in Perth, and I wanted to pray like just at the side of the street because there was no places, I felt afraid because I didn't know whether they understood what I was doing. I don't feel that fear in Singapore. Mm. So, yeah, mm. you know, we are, we are truly lucky. And I'm sure, you know, being uh, a Muslim for quite a while now and you have a family of your own, it has also exposed you to uh, certain practices of Islam that, you know, are, are pretty new to new Muslims, uh, which is why we are here to discuss about wealth in Islam and the kind of differences that um, wealth is perceived in Islam and, and versus it being perceived in a secular sense. So, uh, well, why not we just draw right in? So, the first half of the segment, I'm just going to share to you, uh, you know, to the viewers here, listeners here, uh, the concept of wealth in Islam. And actually, in Islam, we don't really refer to money as wealth. We refer to an overarching idea, which is called, uh, which is which means sustenance. We, we call it, it risk. And, uh, you know, ultimately, we believe that this sustenance, this risk, is, uh, it originates from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, uh, one of the narrations of the Prophet وسلم, is that uh, out of uh, there are a few things that are predetermined for us before we uh, as a baby in a womb, you know, and one of them is our sustenance in our lifetime. So these are the things that will not change in the course of our life. And uh, for those wondering, okay, then I don't have to strive. This is, uh, you know, not true because Rizki doesn't only come in money. It comes in many, many other aspects of life. So for example, mm-hmm our health can be a sustenance, you know, because mm. with our health, we are enabled to do things that we like. You know, children is also sustenance, you know, which is why in many Malay families, when they say, okay, uh, I, I've been trying to get children, but I don't have the risky. That means, you know, uh, this as sustenance. And, mm. you know, even good, good friends, good, good faith, is, yeah, all aspects of risky. It's a very holistic uh, idea. And, you know, many of us fall under the illusion that Allah is trying to deprive us of sustenance because we just seemingly we, we lack money, you know, and uh, we, we lack material wealth because uh, we think that, okay, we don't have, we are not rich enough. So we are depriving, uh, we are being deprived of sustenance, but that's not true because perhaps we might have less in some, but we have more in others, you know, mm. the richest might not be the happiest. Uh, you know, Muslims, we, we use our risky. The best way we can use it is to use it to see that Allah is the provider of the sustenance for us. We can, we can, see, we can see the manifestations of his names. He's the sustainer, you know, he's, he's our razak and we are, we are really um, encouraged to go out into the world to seek the sustenance. So many, many pe- people think that, okay, because uh, we are people of faith, we, we renounce the world entirely and we don't participate in any worldly affairs or any worldly activities at all. And that is not true of Islam. Islam is, is very holistic and, you know, even Allah says in, in the Quran, in the Surah Al-Muq, verse 15, he says he's the one that smoothed out the earth for us. So move about in the regions of the world and eat from his provisions. So there, are, there is time for us to worship. There is time for us to focus in afterlife. But there's also time for us to strive in our, uh, you know, occupation, any things that we do for our sustenance. And that is also part of worship itself. So um, mm. Islam is balanced. And, and, and it has never asked for his followers to neglect all worldly responsibilities just so that they can practice the religion. 
So instead, when Islam is practiced to the full measure, life is completely balanced, you know, and, and basically comes in, in, in a big form of that. And later we'll discuss why in a form of zakat. But before that, you know, uh, that this comes to my favorite part of the episode where we have a discussion. Okay. So, um, you know, coming into Islam, my, my myself, I didn't know about this. You know, I always saw the world as part of money. You know, uh, m- money was the yardstick of success in many Chinese families, including mine. And uh, I, I didn't know there was something called Vizki. But now that we know, right, uh, what do you think are some types of sustenance of Vizki that we forget uh, that we have in our lives? Uh, I think the the biggest one for me is probably like the people that you have around you and uh, the people that you have to look up to. You know, I, I feel like that's, you've been given the, these people around you to, to aspire to, you know, um, definitely the prophet being one of them, but just like if you have a, a, a friend who is very uh, charitable or something, and then it just makes you feel like I, I also want to be, I want to be at that level or you just, yeah, the, the people and, and the, the effect that they have on you, I think is a, is a big part of it for me. Yeah. yeah. So people for you, I think for myself will be, uh, I think will be purpose because uh, as a non-Muslim coming to Islam, I didn't really have a purpose in life. You know, yes, we, we pursue money or we pursue certain goals in our careers. But once we hit that or we are beyond the age where money would do any material benefit or difference to us, I feel like that's where I feel like, you know, in my 50s or 60s, I will, I will be purposeless. But Islam came and gave me this purpose in my life where I feel like everything I do is towards an end point which is eternal. Mm-hmm. And it really like, wow, you know, it, it really solidified me, completed me as a person. Uh, mm. I didn't know I had and, and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. And next, you know, uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, how do we remind ourselves obje- of the obje- objective of seeking sustenance, which is to, you know, see... Uh, that sustenance comes from Allah. How, what are some ways that we can do within our daily lives to achieve that? Uh, I mean, prayer is obviously a huge one because you can take that time out from whatever you're doing to... Uh, like when I first started going to this mosque in the UK, uh, I would go there for Friday prayers and it would be like Friday for me would be like hitting the reset button on on my week you know it's like uh, from one friday to the next i might have all these thoughts or or i might just do things that are not really beneficial to me not really in line with like islamic faith that kind of thing and then you you go back and you just like hit this reset button and you cuz you can just think to yourself about uh the things that you should be doing and you, you start back at work again the next week and you start doing things the way you should be doing them. And then slowly, slowly, that kind of just like seeps into your life. And then hopefully, hopefully you, you're just thinking that way all the time. But obviously it's difficult. <laughs> There's always many distractions and everything across the world. Yeah. So reminders for you is every Friday prayers, you know, for mm. some who attend classes uh, every week, you know, these classes can be a form of reminder as well. Ultimately, when we seek knowledge, we can also seek knowledge in the form of seeking our sustenance, the etiquettes to seeking sustenance. Like we don't uh, don't harm someone so that we increase our sustenance. That's not the way that we are ordained to search for for money or material wealth. We instead 
you know, the best way is to seek it in a way that Allah has allocated, you know, ordained for us to do so. And that will gain the biggest blessings. And perhaps that's how we are also reminded when we know, okay, perhaps I can do this to earn a bit more money, but I don't want to because I'm earning for the sake of Allah. You know, if mm. I would do it in a way that is not, that doesn't have integrity, then I'm not doing it for the sake of Allah anymore. Mm. Money. So, mm. so that, that's that. And, and the last question is very interesting because I, I, I actually ponder about this a lot. And we have, as a university kid, we have, this, we have discussions like this. So, can Muslims strive to be rich? I, I don't see why not. I, I don't see why not, to be honest. I mean, you say like if somebody becomes rich because of hard work and they're doing um, halal work, you know, like it's totally permissible what they're doing. They're just working very hard and they're just trying to raise money so that they can... I don't see why not. It's not like when you become rich, then you're instantly not Muslim anymore. You, I think you could definitely be rich and be Muslim. I, I really don't see there's an issue there with it at all. As long as the way you're achieving money is permissible, that's all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, I think many of times these misconceptions come from uh, certain narrations where you say, okay, in, on the day of judgment, rich people would enter hell, uh, enter heaven only after the last of the poor people enters heaven. Um, yes, yes, indeed, there are narrations like this. However, that is to teach us about the difficulties of managing mm. the responsibilities of being rich. Because mm. when, mm. uh, when you have nothing, you are not obligated to give anything. But, uh, you know, things are given sometimes as a test of our faith and our intentions. So one of these are, is, is our spouses or women in general are given a test to men. Wealth is also given as a test to men. So mm. one who is rich has his own difficulties and challenges in terms of faith because now that I'm rich, do I preserve my wealth or do I start giving? Mm. And how much do I give back? Because $1,000 to a poor person might be his entire net worth, but it might be peanuts to the rich guy. Yeah. So when, when narrations like this come to show you that, okay, for those who don't think that they can manage the wealth, you know, it's best for you to keep, uh, it's for you to know yourself and know that, okay, if I'm going to have this wealth, I'm going to destroy myself eventually and to strive for something else. But those who, who, who are confident and, and who actually want to strive towards this path, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with trying, but we must always keep in mind the objective like we have discussed. It's okay for Muslims to, to strive to be rich, but certainly you know when we are when we are poor when we don't have the sustenance we don't uh, act in a way that makes us seem rich and we are and when we are rich we don't act in a way that makes us seem poor just because we don't want to give money back to society yeah yeah so yeah yeah so, so actually uh we ponder about this a lot because you know sometimes we search for extra money and it makes us feel a little bit bad inside because we think that it's bad to be rich as a muslim but it's not Yes, there are challenges. We have to learn about them mm. and, and, mm. and, and do it in a way that, you know, gets the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. That's, that was good sharing. And actually, that nicely brings us to our next part, which is zakat. So talking about uh, being rich, talking about wealth, you know, there are some things that, you know, coming into Islam, we, we don't know that Muslims have to do. For me, one of them was zakat. Zakat means, uh, you know, giving alms. So part of our pillars of Islam is zakat. And what zakat essentially requires a Muslim to do is to give about 2.5% of their wealth, given that their net worth exceeds a certain value. And uh, it's, it's done every Islamic year, which is about 355 days. 
why this is done is to ensure that the growth of our, our wealth does not disrupt equity in society. So the poor, sometimes because they don't have, uh, they, they don't even hit the net worth that is required, they don't have to pay. But the rich, all of them have to pay 2.5%, regardless of how rich they are, whatever tax bracket they are in, in which yeah. country, they have to pay 2.5%. So, uh, you know, beyond just society uh, benefits, right? Uh, Ping Zakat also purifies the portion of wealth that may, for, of our wealth, that may have came from non-permitted sources, you know. And what it means is that perhaps I invest for a living, but I invest in stocks that are known in, as halal stocks. But just somewhere in the process, these stocks uh, finance using something that is not halal. But I don't know about it because I'm just an external investor. So paying my zakat ensures that this part of my wealth that is not supposed to be with me, but I have, have you know, earned it unknowingly, it is purified. So uh, this is basically the purification portion of zakat, which is why it's important for every Muslim to do so. Uh, other than that, uh, conditions of having uh, of being zakat is that, uh, as as mentioned, uh, if if we have gold, we have silver, we have cash, we have commercial commodities, or or we are farmers and we produce farm produce, we are uh, required to pay zakat on these uh, assets. And in Singapore, there are many many services uh, such as muis or even darul akam to help us calculate our zakat. So it's a complicated process to to calculate. So take some time to learn them before it's too late and you have a deadline to pay. Um, there are also online resources for you to calculate uh, manually. But for those who have very, very complicated uh, structure of capital, then uh, it's best to get someone to advise you on it. Mm. Lastly, uh, who this zakat goes to, uh, goes to uh, are eight groups of people. So Islam has already ordained for, okay, uh, we, we, we receive zakat and we pay them out to eight groups of people. The first group are the, the fakir, which is known as the poor. So people who are living in poverty, these are considered fakir. Uh, next is called the miskin, which is the needy. So someone who is poor is needy, but someone who is rich can also be needy. When he, although he has, although he has wealth, he might need money when he has no access to his wealth, and that person can still be considered as a needy person. And that is when you can give him your zakat, even though he is not wealthy, he can be also needy. Um, Next, uh, administrators of zakat. So those who collect and, and, and disperse zakat are eligible to, to receive zakat. Uh, converts like me and you, Mu'alaf, uh, captives in slavery, those who are in debt, can, we can help them to relieve their debts. And those in the cause of Allah and people who are considered wayfarers, that means people who travel and are in need of funds when they are traveling. So these are the eight groups of, of uh, they call it asnafs of zakat. And lastly, there's a type of zakat that is paid in Ramadan. Uh, this was something I didn't know even after I came into Islam. My first Ramadan, I was like, I need to pay zakat. I didn't know that. It's called zakat fitra. So every Ramadan, we pay either 5 to 6 or 7 to $8, dollars, uh, depending on how uh, luxurious your life is. For those who are more luxurious, you are, you are going to pay the higher amount. So this is a, a big, big topic. Do take classes on it. Uh, and lastly, okay, uh, before we end the session, we have two more questions. Uh, I, I will assume that you have already begun paying your zakat as, yeah. as well because I, I saved up a bit from working before I go to school. So, but for myself, I, I, I actually found, pretty, found it pretty difficult to start paying zakat because it was 2.5% and 2.5% is quite sizable when, when you're, you're talking about, you know, we, 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 we go up as a non-Muslim, we hear, okay, stock markets returns are about 3% to 5% a year. 2.5% is like half of that and, and that is, that is pretty significant. So for me, it was difficult to pay my zakat. 
for you was it difficult or and if if it was difficult you know what advice do you have for people who haven't haven't started playing yet you know what advice can you give them i mean i didn't find it so difficult i mean uh i was very similar to you like i i had no idea about zakat before uh conversion and then you're just learning about this stuff but going back to my like uh, story about how i became muslim in the first place zakat is also one of those ones that when i heard about it i was like ah oh, they 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 make you give money to the poor wow okay that's quite good right <laughs> it's like one of those things that you you wouldn't really expect from i don't know religion it's like uh, you you would think like uh, it, it's a voluntary thing but this time around it's like no we have to make sure that the whole community is is fed and it's really nice so there was another one of the things that really kind of made me think islam is a good place to go a good way to go you know um for me i didn't find it difficult um since i just probably heard that it was sort of a compulsory thing <laughs> so you have to do it you have to do it right <laughs> so you just go ahead and pay but uh for someone who maybe is just starting out hasn't paid their zakat yet uh I think when you pay your zakat it once that money leaves your account it kind of leaves you with this feeling of uh like you've done some good you know like you you something that you worked hard to earn you just give it away <laughs> normally you would spend it and you would get something back for it and you would you know enjoy that thing for a while or whatever but this is more going towards like how you were saying about how you're you're working towards something eternal rather than something temporary you buy something temporary instead of that you use your 2.5% and you just give it away like you just it's gone you don't get anything back for it but it really leaves you with a sense of like you've done something that is going to last longer than anything you could have bought yeah that i i feel like that's a nice uh a nice way to think about it Yeah. Yeah and and actually when I do pay my zakat that I feel very relieved also like mm. I'm fine I'm finally fulfilling you know four out of five of my pillars of Islam and I feel like yes you know this mm. should, like my sincerity to be in Islam because who would in their sane practical secular mind pay 2.5% of their net worth which if you are worth 1 million you have to pay $25,000 a year to charity and mm. Muslims do that and when I yeah. do, I feel like alhamdulillah you know like this Allah you, you this is I'm doing it only because of you you know so uh yeah yeah absolutely right you know you feel a sense of purity you feel a sense of uh, you know happiness and and overall you feel quite positive about it eventually yeah and eventually when you know that you know because of your zakat it has truly helped those in poor or want to find education that is when you really see the benefits of it or when in the event where we 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 are the recipients of zakat then we start to appreciate it when mm. people are paying zakat or ourselves mm. are paying zakat so yeah thank you for sharing that advice uh, brother james and mm. alhamdulillah i think this this has been a very nice conclusion to you know uh, our second last uh, series for our fundamentals to faith we are closing the end of the year we are ending our season 2 so next week we are going to release a series on mental health uh and we are, we are going to have converse to come on the show talk about their experiences in mental health and get teachers to give them advice on it so inshallah for those who want to listen to mental health 
our mental health series, do check out our Instagram live. We have this weekend. It's coming on in the next few days. And uh, we do look forward to see you guys on the Instagram live, asking questions to the teachers that we are, we are going to be, uh, you know, bring on the show for you guys. And, and yeah, you know, uh, thank you, Brother James, for coming up. Thank you, everyone, for showing thank you. Support. And we hope that this podcast benefits everyone who listens to it. For those who want to find out more about Zakat, do head out to Darurahakam. We have uh, resources in English. They even have a Zakat booklet uh, to help you to learn how to calculate about Zakat. So at this point of time, uh, we just recite Tasbih Kafara and Surah to Asr to end the session. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ula as inna li insana la fi khus illa lazina amanu wa amilu salihati wa tawasam bil haqi wa tawasam bil sabr. See you guys next week. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.